Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome, folks, to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show, who's returned from her leave to come and join us and grace us with her presence. Hi, Kim. How are you doing today? Hello. Well, I'm a married lady now, Grant. Oh my! <laughs> uh, we have had a we've had a, had a little break. It's uh, mm-hmm. lovely to see uh, your face and your hear your dulcet tones, and <laughs> um, and you know get season two of twenty twenty one underway. And I'm very excited Indeed. about today's discussion. Well, do tell, please. So we're going to be talking about sustainability as risk management. So we're looking at companies investing in this space and doing it with the mindset of investment rather than um, expense. We're going to be talking with the CEO and director of the sustainability consulting firm, Cres Consulting, uh, Julia Seddon. Julia has more than 20 years' experience uh, across manufacturing and agricultural industry associations and the not-for-profit sector with a background in uh, environmental science and a master's in business. Uh, She is highly regarded within the industry and full of information and advice and insights. And I'm very excited to be talking to her today. Hey, Julia. Hey, Kim. How are you going? Very well, very well indeed. Um, Now, we know that uh, your focus is on sustainability and sustainable growth and looking at how uh, companies can reduce climate and water risk in ways that also reduce organisational risk. Talk to me. Tell me about what you do in that space. What does it look like? Well, look, I guess what what it looks like is just really like any other well-established standard business process in that you assess your risks, you identify ways of managing them and you implement them um, to make sure that your business can survive and be operational um, into the, you know, into the the longer term. So the way that I I guess I frame sustainability is that it's really about future-proofing. It's about making sure that your organisation and really of, of any type, but particularly food and beverage, given it's fundamental reliance on the environment, which is significantly impacted by weather, let's say, um, it's really important to, you know, to look to the future and to identify the risks that might impact your profitability, but also your viability um, over, over the ensuing years. So sustainability really is just another form of risk management, um, you know, which has been a standard business practice for um, many, many years. When we're looking at food and beverage manufacturing, there there is a huge reliance on um, energy and on water. Where do companies start when they're looking at those big picture sort of big financial zones? Where do they start when they're looking at that from Mm. your perspective? That is such a good question, Kim. Um, I guess when, so so for example, say a food industry business is looking at expansion and is looking at a new site 
there are four normally four key things that that they require with that that site they obviously need the the land available at the right kind of price they need a good um, transport infrastructure network it, it needs to have power it needs to have water available sometimes gas as well um, but it and it also needs a, a good um, labor force what is often um, I guess lacking in some of those site selection decisions is that broader risk assessment of of really questioning, okay, there are adequate water resources there today. Are they going to still be adequate in five years' time, 10 years' time, even 20 years' time? We're building a plant or a facility that's going to have a theoretical life or a design life for 50 years. Let's have a look at the water risk profile over that, you know, over that 50-year period. So it, it's looking at things like that. So again, it's taking that that longer term view, but actually looking at what that business or that site actually needs, um, in order to in order to to be honest, to justify that that investment. From an energy perspective, obviously, reliable um, energy supply is really critical in the food and beverage industry. But there's no reason why um, investment can't be made in renewable energy, and it's I mean it's really really pleasing and encouraging to see so many in the F&B sector making these commitments now to net zero emissions um, by, you know, by 2030, some of them, 2040, um, you know, in the foreseeable future, these commitments are being made. And the, the, the reason they're able to make those commitments is because they have actually looked at energy use and what, what the opportunities are, what the steps are, what does the roadmap look like to get from where they are to 100% renewable energy. Um, you know, sometimes that does require offsetting, but but so be it. Um, the commitment is there and, and the impact will, um, you know, will be realised, that positive impact will be realised. So it's really just a case of, you know, taking that longer-term view and I suppose accepting or understanding that the environmental um, conditions, if you like, or those natural resources um, are not necessarily a given um, and, you know, we, need to, we do need to accept that history is no longer a predictor of the future. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the recent times have, have uh, provided some evidence for that. Well, and I think it's really pertinent when you consider that about 40% of Australia's food and beverage manufacturing is happening in rural and regional areas as well. This isn't just something that's happening within a built-up urban environment. This is happening in areas that I don't want to say can can be affected more by climate events, but in a way it's true. I, I mean, if you're if you're in a drought prone area and, and you're a large manufacturer using millions of litres of water, that that is definitely going to be uh, definitely going to come under a risk profile. You you would you would hope so, um, and I guess that's that's the issue, and that's that's where I have um, I suppose a, some experience and, and spent quite a lot of time dealing with those sorts of issues, um, because it, you know investing food and beverage investment is generally pretty significant from a capital expenditure perspective, um, and it really is important to be able to secure particularly water resources. Um, in in many ways, other things can be engineered there can be an engineered solution for many of the other issues but you can't really it's very difficult to manufacture water and I I do really see that as a as a significant area. 
I was talking to a uh, manufacturer last year who had built a new facility and there were very few water-saving uh, systems or structures that they'd put in place because he said to me that it didn't, when they did sort of the cost analysis, it was cheaper to just be using potable water coming in than to do anything where they were even recycling you know, wastewater into into garden beds outside. Is is this a real? Is this something you come up against a lot? Where it's it's a challenge to get companies to see the benefit over that initial financial, um, what might be a you know a big decision in terms of a financial outlay. Oh, absolutely! It, it's it's actually really common. Uh, the cost of water is not really reflective of its value. I mean, the cost, the cost of water has increased over the last decade or so, and particularly in, um, you know, in, in coastal areas where desalination plants have been, have been established and, you know, the cost of producing water is much higher, but w- businesses aren't paying for the value of water. And that, that I suppose the question that I ask is, well, ha- what would you do if you didn't have the water? And, and the answer is, well, we wouldn't be able to operate. Well, if it's that critical... Then, then perhaps just look at it a little bit more closely, um, and certainly being as efficient as possible with water use is is very important. I mean, efficiency is the name of the game in food and beverage, uh, in, in terms of everything. Um, so, so you know, so water efficiency is important. But if you're able to actually reuse that water, um, then your reliance upon um, you know, town's water or, or the dam or the bore or whatever it is that you're using is just is just that much less, which just gives you a little bit more um, security. So the idea of having a secure water supply is something that's, uh, I, I would say, is not well understood in Australia, even though we are, you know, the, the driest, <laughs> the driest continent, um, you know, all of those things. And we've exper- got lots of experience with drought. Um, we've got lots of experience with water shortage, but we do have a mentality that there will always be a, an alternative source of water and that some, somehow someone will sort, sort that out. Um, but in, in reality, I do think it's incumbent upon food and beverage in particular where, you know, the, those businesses can be using significant amounts of water, sometimes, you know, the largest volume within a locality, um, to actually address that, that, water, uh, that water security issue. And so, how do you do that? Like, how do you how do you how do you get companies on board to shift that thinking? It's um, it's not look. It's not always easy, um, you know. And sometimes there's been so much investment made or sunk, if you like, into a particular project that it's it's too it's too far gone to really do anything too different. But but it's the I suppose it's the way that you approach anything else. You you sort of start with. Um, you know, an assessment of how important water might be, or, or whatever you know, whatever the, the the thing is, whether it's people or energy or infrastructure, um, and then you you assess the facts. Well, where does the water come from? Where does that water come from? How is that treated? Um, what does the water balance in the catchment look like? How secure is that? What does what's the future climate projection for the area what impact is that going to have on rainfall and evaporation and runoff and all of those things and and I think I mean there's data readily available that shows you know for example inflows into dams across the country are significantly less than they 
than they have been um, in recorded history, and we have we have really good data in Australia. Um, and what does so that mean? There, that just means there's less water, doesn't it? Does that is that what when you talk about those inflows? Because uh, I know in the article you wrote for us earlier this year for the magazine, you were talking about um, this the water stewardship and um, and the and the nature of the inflows and that they are substantially lower than what they used to be. So does that that just means there's less water? So there's less rain or there's less? Is that? Or yeah, am that, I just that, oversimplifying that's, that. No, no, that that is um, that, that's exactly it. So there is less water available um, for you know for the the various uses that we have and the various needs that we have as well. We we often forget you know that that sort of old adage, "Water is life, don't waste it." Um, but it's still you know it's just still so um, simple, but in, but important. So with less water available, um, you need you do need to do things differently, and sometimes that that can can mean you know employing you know, perhaps more radical solutions than the industry has, you know, has has typically, you know, done in the past. Yeah. And what would some of those, what's, what would a radical solution look like? Well, I suppose a, a different way of looking at water, if, if you're in a water-constrained environment, and, and really, I mean, let's face it, you, you could probably put most of regional Australia in that basket, and You've got an established plant. You use, you know, millions of litres of water a day, like you were saying before. Then you do really need to look at ways of reusing that water. The food industry, obviously, water quality and food quality are paramount. Can't be um, can't be compromised at all. So there are, I mean, there are technologies available that are now well proven. They've been operating um, in Australia for you know for a decade or more. And certainly around the world as well. Um, you know, there are treatment systems that can produce drinking quality water from wastewater, and that significantly reduce the amount of water that needs to be drawn from that main supply. You know, which is coming from a river or some other um, some other water source, and um, you know, so significantly that it could it could add decades onto the life, the the viable life of that particular facility. Um, so those are the sorts of things that need to be looked at. Now that those sorts of things are an investment. Um, they're not they're not cheap, and they do require um, you know they're fairly complex systems to manage. But um, as I say, they they are well proven, and it's I suppose in the scheme of things quite a small price to pay um, for being able to continue to operate. I think. For me, I sort of see when you're talking about it now, it's like the company would not think twice about the systems and processes and technology that are required to ensure they meet all the standards in terms of food safety. And and yet when it comes to the water that's coming into that is basically vital for human life and is really precious that 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 thinking is not there yet as it is for say the food and safety standards it's not there in terms of their water stewardship how can that be sped up like how can that be flipped look I, there's a need to do this very quickly and you know that there is there is a significant sense of urgency i think about addressing all of these sorts of climate related issues but water in particular the best way of addressing it is is really on a site specific or, or catchment basis. 
so the, the information is available. You, you can do a, a, a risk assessment. There are various databases available um, and other information sources to, to really assess what the water risk is in a particular catchment. Um, and it, it is, it's, you know, it's reasonably straightforward. You look at the information and you make a, you make a series of assessments and then, and then that helps you make a decision. It's really about just putting it, it's really about shifting it up to top of mind, isn't it? Rather than, yeah. than think just sort of, we all take it for granted. You know, I, look, I mean, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not sort of trying to, you know, set companies up as villains here. It's, but it's pushing the, con- the, the concern about it higher up the chain. Yeah, and I think framing it as a business risk um, is is a good way to go because that's that's exactly what it is. Um, you, you know, we know that there are prerequisites for building a, a new site or for investing in a food processing site. Water is one of those, and 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 I guess has, has always been. But it's un, it's recognizing um, the supply of water as a business risk, and and treating it like that. It really is no different to any other type of business risk. Um, you know, and I think the food and beverage sector. I've spent a lot of my <laughs> a lot of my career inside, um, and it is excellent at responding to all sorts of different things. And you look at how the food and beverage industry has responded to COVID. I mean, it's outstanding. It's it really is very very good. Well, um, I know we've spoken about this before, but I I do I love your line that. Um, you know, we should remember that that crisis represents it does represent danger, but it also represents opportunity. And I think the food and beverage sector is very good at that in terms of recognizing this this is a problem or this could be a problem, and showing real ingenuity in 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 adapting um, and shifting. But I, I but I do pick up on the urgency in terms of particularly with water stewardship um, in Australia. Yeah, look, I, I think. So I think the precursors, if you like, are definitely there in this industry sector because it just is so well practiced at responding to all sorts of challenges and, all, and all, often multiple challenges at once. Um, but there, there is a need to, I suppose, improve the understanding that water resources are under threat and there is going to be, or there is currently and will continue to be less water available and that needs to be addressed and addressing it now is the best time to address it and, and looking at what the opportunities are and, you know, we'll, we'll really, we'll really um, set that business up well for the future uh, and ensure its viability into, you know, in, into the longer term. So from a water stewardship perspective, there's a, a, an internationally recognised framework that's globally applicable it's catchment-based, so water catchment-based, which means you can use it anywhere in the world. And it, it has a set of principles that essentially mean that that catchment is assessed. So you, you look at things like the water balance, you look at you know what sort of sorts of issues are in the catchment, what sorts of competing uses for water are there, who are the stakeholders, all of all of those sorts of things. And obviously food and beverages normally or quite often a really important part of a local community, whether it's in whether it's in a municipal area or or somewhere else uh, in a regional area, um, and it's just it's really just a case of identifying all of that and presenting that bigger picture, if you like, in a bit more detail, so that it's it it, it forces an operation to look outside its fence. So, in my experience, in, in any kind of food and beverage site, will know 
everything there is to know about what happens inside their gate or, the, you know, inside, inside their fence. But ask them where the nearest creek is and <laughs> they'll look at you quite blankly. Um, so if, if you can just go through that process, even if just one exercise I do that is that can really help is you, you know, you sort of take a group, well, let's find, a, let's find the stormwater drain on this side let's find the biggest one and then let's follow it and see where it goes and it's it's really eye-opening because often it will lead to a a creek that's going into you know some sort of natural or important area and it it, it can just really I suppose open the eyes that this is we are actually part of something much bigger and we are that water is really important not just for us but for all sorts of other people um but you know but also the environment as well and the economy depends upon it um so it's i suppose it's true sustainability in that sense because it's it's um environment it's it's community but it's also the economy um you know there's there's you know there's that famous saying no such thing as a free lunch everything everything is connected to everything else um and we really need to start understanding a little bit more about about the complexity of that so that we can we can prepare for the future is there any evidence that shows that companies that invest in sustainability uh, practices that we, like what we've been talking about uh, are more profitable down the track? Yes, Kim, there is. There's, there's a lot of evidence to, to suggest that businesses that adopt um, sustainability um, seriously or, or, or properly, if you like, and where, where sustainability is not the greenwashing or, 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 or yeah, marketing tool, um, that those businesses are, are more viable in the long term, so they they are more profitable. They um, they're still around over a longer period of time. Um, so we, we mustn't forget that a lot of businesses um, do fail, um, and they you know they do close down, and there there are generally multiple reasons for that. Um, but not having access to water would be you know, really key, <laughs> key reason to close a factory down. Um, but, but yes, there is a lot of evidence to, um, to support um, that idea that if you adopt more sustainable practices, you, you are going to build a better business and you're going to have the sort of business that, that people are going to want to work for, um, that the community is going to support and that ultimately consumers will, will support as well. Is it something that, that they can do piecemeal? Um, look, I think it, it can be done any way that makes sense for that business. Um, you know, so sometimes some businesses will want to, you know, do sustainability in inverted commas and they want to do everything, you know, from from zero emissions to packaging to regenerative agriculture, for example, where in actual fact their real fundamental risk is in water or it's in people or it's in you know in a specific or it's a supply chain a raw material supply chain issue um so it's really important to focus on what matters most i mean that there's a lot of value in continual improvement and there is a lot of value in just chip chip chipping away at something and just getting better every every time um you know as you were saying before the, the food and beverage industry is um you know, very clever at, um, you know, stretching things, you know, being being really efficient and getting the job done with with very little resource. Um, so, yes, there are multiple ways of doing it. Uh, I think everybody would, would you know, like to have the sort of 
huge funding um, available to, to do all of those really big ticket items. But there's a lot that can be done that's low um, or no cost or, or even um, at, a, at a negative cost. So, it, it, yeah, it's really a case of looking at what's possible, what's needed first and then what's possible. Is there much industry or is there much manufacturing within Australia that's actually building and creating some of the uh, technologies that food and beverage can use? Is there a big sort of local contribution in that front? In terms of the technology, I think it's certainly in terms of the, the practices, um, there, there certainly is. Um, and from a technology perspective, I mean, my, my specific experience with water stewardship involves advanced water treatment, um, which which is is provided um, here in Australia. Um, but I think, you know, it's, I mean, what, what, I guess one of the other points that I would make is that it is really important to have strong, good networks with peers. There's a lot to be said for peer learning um, as well as peer support. And, and that's global these days. It's, um, you know, it's not really confined to Australia and, and the need is, is great and we really do need to be looking everywhere for those, those sorts of solutions. Um, but Australia certainly comes up with its fair share. Well, we're uh, coming towards the end of our chat and I always ask my guest, what floats the boat? What blows your hair back? What's the kick in your step? <sighs> what is the kick in my step? Um, look, it's, it's that old thing. It's making a difference. It's, it's helping businesses be better and it, it's getting the result. Um, that's, that's really what drives me. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm most interested in sustainability as a tool for business, not as a burden. Um, and so if, if we're working with a client, um, you know, who has that sort of approach and, and does those sorts of things and, that sort of light bulb moment, oh, sustainability can actually help me. It's a tool. It's not something I have to do. It's not a drag and it's not a cost. It's not that. It's not a burden. Um, you know, that's where you you do the kind of secret punch in the air. Oh, absolutely. What a great, what a great spot to what a great spot to finish on. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, Julia is well and truly a friend of food and drink business. We've run a number of articles by her in the magazine, which you can uh, read on the website, foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. And uh, Julia, thank you so much for your time today. It's just been wonderful. Thank you very much, Kim. It's been very enjoyable. And thank you as well, Grant. No worries. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Kim. And of course, thanks, folks, for joining us for this episode. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.